0: Welcome to the Continuous Delivery Podcast. My name is Chaba. I'm Zivar. And I'm Hino. So today we would like to dive in a little bit into continuous delivery when it comes to everything else but code. So we talked a lot about um, continuous delivery when it comes to, to source and, and, and code. Uh, but now let's tackle the, the boundaries, things that they don't fit into this, into this very large part of software development, but there are other things outside of code so can you guys give some examples for these and and which one do you think should should we focus on first
1: I, I can think of a few right so the first thing is for instance content which is should be an easy one to solve but it's it's one of those that some people consider not to be part of code but that also needs to be updated another one i can see is databases i believe that we talked about this in the past so anything that is uh, that is data or or a database model that might be maintained outside of your Code base. another one one that i'm recently uh, worked with is a description of your process in uh, bpmn so a uh, description of your workflow if you will there is one central repository of those flows that are used and as a result it might make it a little bit harder for people to grasp their head around on how to go about delivering this continuously
0: there are any any other examples can, you can think of
2: the one that has always gotten me is how do you migrate or continuously deploy the associated data stores that accompany a particular application? And I think microservices conceptually solves this problem because microservices says we deploy very small services to production and those services have their own stores with it. So when you make a change to the code, you also make a change to the store and it's almost like an atomic unit of change. In practice, that almost has never been true for me, except for greenfield applications. For greenfield application, when you have a chance to start something new from scratch, I think it's pretty easy to do that. But when you are inheriting a large application or some sort of legacy application, then people usually put microservices on top of it without necessarily realizing that, or I'm sure they realize, but not necessarily having a solution on how to actually change the underlying database so that continuous delivery is enabled that to me has always been a stickler. And there's a lot of criticisms on the microservices approach that have come because of that, because of that constraint. And the solution for it ends up, I think for the most part being blue-green deployments. People have kind of trained themselves to not necessarily tackle the problem of how do you isolate data so it can be continuously deployed or continuously changed in atomic terms, but instead saying, why don't we have a blue make changes to the blue and then swap out the green with the blue when it comes time to make the change. That probably has been the most tried and tested or battle tested way of getting around and making changes to data. It involves replication and so on. It's not it's not the whole solution, but it's part of the solution that can possibly get you there.
1: The solution that you're offering, sir, are- I don't believe that this is a solution for working with multiple teams on the same uh, code base. What it helps you to do is making sure that you can test something within pilot or the green or or whatever the color is that you're choosing to be pilot that day. And then the uh, the other one will, will remain stable while you're testing this. But it doesn't allow multiple teams at multiple speeds or at, at their own speed to update that pilot environment and making sure that that pilot environment works, right? So that's still an issue in my case, in, in my opinion. Um, so we need to find a different solution to uh, to address that, uh, and and not not just the deployment between the uh, those two environments.
2: If we're talking about multiple teams updating the same the same application at the same time, we should not be really talking about the database. I think there there's got to be an abstraction layer where most teams can get either 100 percent all the way through or very close to it, without necessarily having to worry about. The database at all. The database really comes to me, b- becomes a deployment problem for me more than a development problem. Yes, of course, you, you have to write tests to make sure there's, there's consistency in data and all that stuff. But if, if, if the problem is multiple teams working on the same application, the database is not where your problem is, or at least that's not where the solution is. The, 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 the solution might be in, ho- in how your what your application design is, how you're mocking things, what are some of the boundaries you've defined between teams, those are where you can attack that problem and not necessarily even think about the database because I think that's a, that comes much further down the road and has not been that big of a problem for me.
1: Okay, so let's, let's uh, explain a certain situation in which that database does become a problem and in which multiple teams are relying on that database for very good reason. So there are tools out there, libraries, if you will, frameworks, that uh, allow you to define workflows. So I, I was talking about the BPMN so uh, it's actually fitting I- inside this example. So um, there's this tool called Camunda and Camunda will uh, will basically enable your um, your users with uh, workflow management. It does it through a graphic user interface where you can define what your process is. Each and every one of those process steps can have a, a Java class or a node uh, class associated with it that actually executes some code that is uh, representative for that particular step, but it relies on a relational database, I believe, that is configured in order to provide the framework, actually, or in order to support the processes that you you are having. And um, if one particular team wants to add a specific process step, it needs to make sure that that process step or the data that is associated with it is supported by the database. Another team might need to do the same thing. So there you have two database model changes going on at the same time, how do you make sure that this is all possible? How do you make sure that the resulting environment Komundo installation will have the support and will have the database schema that it needs in order to run?
2: So this this is an age-old problem. I think Active Record probably first looked at this when Ruby came out and how to actually organize your database migrations and kind of source control them, if you will, and Ruby on Rails, it became very popular because Active Record was bundled as part of fits, and that that, that kind of blew up. Uh, but going back to a more of a large behemoth type application like Comunda, I would look at Salesforce as a as an example, actually. Even though I, I'm not going to promote Salesforce here, but I think they're making attempts at solving this problem in, in somewhat more, more innovative ways, at least when it comes to the problem domain. I'm not saying it's it's a perfect solution, but at least it's something. W- what their approach is. Instead of configuring their application, their workflows, their customer objects, all their um, the Salesforce is all about objects in using GUI, what they have done is they have created a developer environment where you essentially fork out an instance of Salesforce every time you have to make a change. and when, whenever you make a change to the database model or to a GUI, it actually commits itself to a file and you check that file into so into source code. And then it follows a regular merge process like you would with any other code. But what 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 they have done in the in a, in a broader sense is they've taken all their GUI and database changes and tried to serialize them into text files so that they are able to actually verify them with unit tests. Now they use Apex as a programming language which is like a bastardized version of Java, and they, they actually have a unit test framework there. I'm not saying it's great, but at least it opens the door for multiple developers to be working on multiple instances of the product, checking in their stuff into code, and you have the ability to write tests. Not perfect, but I think that's the way you have to go. You have to detach yourself from, I'm using Kamunda to thinking about Kamunda is generating X configuration. It's that configuration that I have to write my test for or verification against.
0: Isn't this the... Infrastructure as a code kind of um, a paradigm, uh, more or less, right? Because because we are turning that that uh, in your case it's a configuration file and then something executes that configuration file. But but bottom line is that 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 pretty much everything turned not only the code itself but uh, but the infrastructure, the configurations, the the database, everything is turned into into a, a repeatable. And this is I, I think the key. What we are looking for is a repeatable, right? Something that you can you can consistently uh, run a Again and again and again in various environments, and you're going to get the predictable uh, outcome because th- that's that's one of the
2: benefits of, of continuous delivery. It's the opposite of infrastructure of code, actually, because in infrastructure of code, no, no, your, your, your analogy is bang on, Java. But what I'm saying is that whereas infrastructure of code, you are writing code to provision infrastructure, here you are almost getting the, the application first and translating that into code. It's almost going backwards in a in, in, in a weird sort of way, but but your point is uh, well taken.
1: Yeah, the the code is generated from the graphical tool, and you could just as well generate it or write it yourself as well if you want to. And this is how Camunda works, by the way, are so that that works with it. So in order to allow other teams to work. Uh, to continue working and continue to deploy while you're making changes that might not ri- have rippled through the entire system yet, any database change that you need to make, any schema change that you need to make need to uh, be done in an um, backwards compatible way initially until every other team, and then of course you need to communicate that change and so forth, until every other team has been able to come on board and then you can, can basically break that dependency that you had before right so you can you can do that through database refactoring introducing a new table fine uh, if an old table is is actually removed along the way then you re, uh, reintroduce a view that looks exactly the same and behaves as if uh, as if you had that table and so forth there's multiple techniques that you can make incremental changes to your database so th- those do work for the database changes very specifically
0: so aren't we talking about here ultimately the repeatability or the predictability of this deployment. Isn't this the the, the main crux of this? How can we how can we eliminate all the manual steps and and between the the editing of the code because if you talk about code editing the code and checking in the code and going the code production is like a continuous process. In our case, we have to translate this code into something that can now travel, kind of like like a vehicle, and then execute it or or run or deploy it, right? So isn't isn't the same principle? Uh, we just we just try to automate and turn it into some kind of a code. This uh, in every
1: case. But it's more than that, right? Because the the problem does not exist when you have one team alone. That, then it's never a problem. Uh, you can you can make those changes in an atomic way. You can deploy them. You can release them. That's not an issue whatsoever. The problem exists when you have multiple teams working on the same code at different speeds, and they uh, need to uh, make changes to crucial components that that impact dependencies between those individual teams. That's those dependencies that you need to somehow version in whichever way, whether it's through feature toggles, whether it's through, uh, through backend API versioning, uh, whether it's through backwards compatibility of databases, whatever technique you need to use in order to make that possible and not change the system in a way that would prevent this other functionality that existed before that that system still supports those, uh, those features that exist. I'm
2: going to go back to the Salesforce example, because I think I think that's what what the solution here is, at least in, in modern day times, is just like we think about making a branch and cloning a repository so we can make a make changes safely on a branch. I'm glad Cheesy's not here. He would have hated that one. In, in this case, you essentially have to branch your Commanda instance so that a developer is safely able to make changes to his or her Commanda instance only and then merge those changes back into the main commanda instance somehow. Uh, So instead of branching, you are basically cloning an entire instance for your purpose, which is exactly how Salesforce does it. I'm not advocating the process as saying it's great, but conceptually, they're trying to make it safe to make changes. The problem is that these applications are so bloated and so heavy and the install time takes so so long and there's so many OS level dependencies on it that it's not a fast process. But if you if you are OK with it being a bit of a cumbersome process and you're OK to sacrifice speed for safety in this case, I think it is possible as long as you got enough commanda licenses one interesting aspect
0: that i would like to kind of discuss with you guys is about context awareness or almost like syntax awareness because because what i've seen and this is what my frustration that often uh, most of these merge situations are 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 very like text file interpreted right so so we look at these these two files and what what would be really nice if and and, and i don't know about salesforce but but uh, sounds like they are doing some level of, of context, some level of syntax awareness, right what I, what I mean by that is is when you make a change to a database, it can interpret the content of that file and not just interpreting as a text file when you when you do the merge right because that's, that's the that, that's the, the basic problem. So are there any tools out there that, that can do this kind of smart merge? Let me call it not just a dumb dumb merge
1: uh, I'm sure there are, but Java you're actually looting the the fact that you need those tools shows that we're in a, that we have a challenge already the introduction of new branches is moving away from continuous delivery While in continuous delivery, what we want to do is we want to have one stable branch that we all make changes to, and those changes need to be small and can be used by everyone else using those branches and making uh, using that branch, that one branch, and making updates to it as well, being able to pull in those changes, seeing if they work in their own environment and then uh, pushing them indeed, always to the same single branch to reduce exactly the challenges that you're trying to address with special tooling. Right, so the, the the system that Salesforce is is offering there is actually not a solution to what we are, or not the solution that we want. And and Zara, you alluded to that as well. You say it's not ideal. You're sacrificing speed for uh, for safety. Uh, my intent is to try to figure out a way to not sacrifice neither speed nor safety.
2: Well, that's why it's always a jump into the an empty pool head first. Whenever you go with tools
1: like these. That sounds like a very unsmart thing to do. It's why I
2: always, as a matter of personal preference, prefer to use business process libraries over business process tools, which come with a GUI and all these other things. And this leads to like maybe another podcast where we have this infatuation to buy things that we think will solve our problem because we do a cost-benefit analysis at some level and come to the false conclusion that buying this thing will solve our problems when, exa- when it leads to exactly the problems that, that Hino is, uh, is outlining. So uh, let's conclude today's uh,
0: Continuous Delivery podcast and follow us on, uh, on LinkedIn. We have a LinkedIn channel and um, this concludes the podcast. Thank you very much.